0: We
1: know of new methods
0: of attack. The horse, the fist- Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical insult on the New cycle people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I am delighted to be joining you here. It is a beautiful, gorgeous day in, uh, in the Bay Area where I happen to reside at the moment. I am joined by Matt Welch and Michael Moynihan. Gentlemen, it is uh, very fine to be with you this evening to uh, to chat through so the various great. things that are happening in the news cycle, so in much our politics, in the world at large. Yeah. Especially great now deal. that we know
2: that you're focused, that's great you. deal.
0: I am I am focused, although so we <clears throat> we are we we're are uh, a new we software traditionally here. record with Riverside. We are yeah. we're checking out Squadcast today. And, and uh, it, we'll and it snitches goes.
3: on Camille when he's on it, fucking
0: <laughs> grinding.
3: Well, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they need to fix this.
0: They need to fix this because there's a bug <laughs> in the software. Yeah. Apparently, bug, really. even though the window is open and up, uh-huh. When I open up another window so that I can, you I know, know that look at stories these, yeah. and read from. Those oh, sure. Things. Yeah. Uh-huh. It tells you. Yeah. The robot I'm comes up doing and he's like, work.
3: "Camille, it's not paying weird. attention." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you're <laughs> literally like w- looking at like Lauren Bobert
0: videos from Beetlejuice. Well, he's clicking <laughs> into the live feed of Colorado,
2: like yeah. repertory these theaters. Are, yeah. Exactly. These are
0: stories that we need to know about. I can't help <laughs> it that I've been watching the grainy footage of yeah. Lauren Bobert being felt up by. Her date, yeah. Um, during I love performance the performance of Beetlejuice, the anger
3: is like he's a Democrat and his bar does drag shows. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. She's jerking him off at Beetlejuice. Isn't that the problem? Like, it's, it's kind it. of a it's called, it's called
0: public service. Yeah. She <laughs> devoted just called public service. to her yeah. job. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, is she is she falling out of that barely there gold dress that she wore to uh, to the performance? Sure, but she wears the same thing to church on Sunday. I love so it. It's fine.
3: She wears like a prom perfectly prom fine. She's like so (laughs) trashy. It's unbelievable. And she's got like four
2: kids too, right? Like she's got like a a pile of kids and she's out there. Wow. I I have to say. She's holding
3: together real good. I love my favorite thing is the Daily Mail has oh, yeah. referred to her in every headline as 36-year-old grandmother, Lauren Bobert," <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Which they actually have been doing. And it's like, that is awesome. That is like... Oh, man. And I said this um, to Livia, my daughter. We were watching the school and I was looking at like... And, and training videos of... And grouping. I said, uh, yeah, it says 36. And she was like doing the math. She's like, what? 36-year-old grandmother? I was like, no, it can happen. Just, you just gotta be either Lauren Bobert." Or um, you know, a former governor of Alaska or something. I don't, I don't know.
0: <laughs> now I'm not commenting on her appearance at all, but it is it is funny. Like Gylf, like has a weird ring to it, mm-hmm. and yeah. I never really thought about it till today. But the thing That's is, it's not
3: also not true with her. Because I mean, it's not true. No, because she's like looks like Jerry Cooney. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just like, why is she? doing And she also like is dressed like one of the solid gold dancers from the Dionne Warwick era. It's like what is There's that? Nothing That's, wrong with that. What is that dress? Are you going to the that, junior prom? That dress is a fun time.
0: But that by the way, she's up and wrong singing with a fun time. along to Beetlejuice. What are these songs? She she was high as a kite. No, no. Like she looked she was super duper high. She was vaping, She, but she's like having some sort of seizure, arms out, like akimbo. It yeah. was very strange. But don't um, you think this And also getting is, felt up and, yeah. and giving the dude a hand job, but, which- I mean, you know, that's good Well, there's her. at
3: least some good redeeming qualities to her. Um, <laughs> yes, the thing about it is it this reminded me of the story about um, all the people dying from vaping. And they're like, you yeah. got to stop um, selling, uh, what do you call, jewels because people are dying from vaping and no one was saying what they were vaping, which was like THC vapes that were made in some Yemeni guy's bodega that like, truly was killing people. And they were like, she was vaping. So the presumption is, is that she's got like, you know, water watermelon, tart, like nicotine vape. She's probably vaping weed, because she looks oh, like she's sure. out of her mind. And she's yeah, yeah. like feeling a guy up and screaming during Beetlejuice. Like there's a, I didn't even know there was a Beetlejuice play. <laughs>
2: I'm just really excited about his just two-handed approach to the, yes. the boobies in a the theater. Um, yeah, that's wait, just... did he?
3: I didn't watch the video. Yeah. oh no, oh dude, yeah, he was is... groping the hell out of her.
2: Yeah, yeah. When like when the, the headlines did said, you know she... he's a Democrat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a real he offense o- he owns a gay friendly bar If ken buck was doing it i'd be like ah, it's better if it was a gay unfriendly bar we'd be
3: happier with the yeah.
0: hand job i don't know i mean i'm i'm fine with this i think if you go to beetlejuice yeah. how do you not feel up the person who is sitting next to you <laughs> yeah if they come with you it doesn't matter you just put your hands in their pants i mean i watch the, what you do
3: i watch the michael keaton version and i feel up like whoever's sitting next to me and i get it i know what's happening
2: <laughs> I do think that there is um, something weird about that. We saw that video immediately. Like, was it a public records request? Was, was that, that a, like that they had like night vision camera in trained of on the congressman woman? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, yeah. there's a lot of people in that theater. Why are we staring? At, I mean, granted, because he's feeling her boobies and. <laughs> <laughs> she's getting the hands up <laughs> while she's vaping and singing, and it's awesome. Do you think um, they have a room like
3: yeah. <laughs> like they do in in like casinos where they're like just a guy and there's like zoom in just on, watching on the shittiest congresswoman in America? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, what is she doing?
0: Did she just like take yeah, I don't, take
3: a tit out? Like what is that? I don't know.
0: <laughs> but but apparently the people around her had been complaining and they came to talk to her multiple times, people who work in the theater. Um and you can you see in the video where she's actually getting out of the seat and getting ready to walk out of the theater that one of the seats behind her is empty. It had not previously been empty. My my presumption assumption is um, that that person actually went out to complain for the umpteenth time. To say, look, you really have to do something about yeah. this insane woman who is, uh, you know. Violent.
3: Oh my <laughs> God! Can we say that? No, we can't. Can we say? I that? gotta cut that out. I gotta cut that out
0: because it's a, it it a family podcast, and I know. And also, we don't podcast. have we don't have evidence of that
2: it was just. A, it was just well, that's
0: yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. He yeah. was he was above the waist. She was not. She was not. She digging in was not. She was like, I am one of this new
3: generation of wine mom congresswomen, either from Georgia or from Colorado. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, who was it? was it was it Ken Buck? I thought it was Ken Buck who was who was hitting back against uh what's her name, Congresswoman from Georgia. What is why am I um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Green and mm. uh, I think it was Ken Buck who was like talking about the constitution and yeah. He was like, he's like, maybe they didn't teach that like in your burpees class or whatever. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, that he
2: was,
1: was cool. like, maybe they maybe they don't teach that in
3: in like uh, CrossFit. It was like unbelievable. And this is like a conservative dude. He's right? a conservative like, yeah. dude. Yeah. And he's like, like, like he's in the Freedom Caucus, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, is, he is. And he was yeah. like, yeah, maybe they don't teach about cross uh, like uh, the Constitution in CrossFit, but and I was like, man, that was brutal. Huh. But yeah, she's like the other <laughs> one the one that you see like at like a kid's soccer game in, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not gonna make, any, I'm not gonna attack people, but, um, I mean, I'm going to, yeah. but, like, this is, I will not to go into the stereotypes. Well, of these well
0: the last thing I'll say about this, about Congresswoman Bobert is one of my favorite, um, completely horrendous, embarrassing things about her is this video of her, um, chatting at a church where she discusses the separation of church and state, decrying it. And the quote was, mm-hmm. the church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. Mm-hmm. I love it. She, I love that.
3: when people do the reversal thing and they think it's clever. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're not, to,
0: we're not governing the church. The church is governing us. It's like <laughs> you just did the <laughs> flipperoo. That's the dumbest thing goes, in the room. And she goes on to say, "I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk." Yeah, it was not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like what they say it does.
3: Unbelievable analysis. (laughs) And this is a this is a woman who knows a lot about junk and about touching it during shows. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's that's when she was like, "All right, now I'm done with my little oration. Who wants a (laughs) handjob?"
2: Oh my God. Yeah, I just think love wins. I, I encourage all of the behavior. <laughs> I see nothing yeah. wrong with it. And and a little bit yeah. too much glee on the part of, I think, Tim Miller from the Bulwark or whatever, uh, like- had like a, a very slow point by point, like a uh, uh, audio breakdown of what was happening there. It's like, okay. Oh
3: yeah. Um, <laughs> I get this. This fight. is like the sexual Zapruder film. We have to oh, go yeah. frame by yeah. frame <laughs> back, back, back into, into the, the left <laughs> and like back into, and then repeatedly back <laughs> into the left and his <laughs> eyes are rolling back into the left <laughs> until
1: <laughs> and so then he
3: yells Beetlejuice when he's done. <laughs>
0: oh god Ooh, yes
2: yes oh, i think, I think camille just beetle oh, juiced right
0: that's yeah. <laughs> 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 a squat um, cast and not, and yeah. not for the first time oh god wow um i just i think we're i think our work here is yeah finished. <laughs> okay. we can yeah. watch yeah. out right now we're doing a 20 was, minute podcast or 15 minutes. i want to say that
3: um I, we are saying this and having this very um, filthy conversation during Rosh Hashanah, so to our Jewish listeners yep. who are listening to this yes. probably on Monday, um, I, I want to I I say I, I apologize for the filthy, <laughs> filthy nature of this conversation. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, what do you want to say? Shana yeah. Tova. That's all I'm going to say to people.
2: Who our friend uh, Rabbi David Wolpe was on the uh, Ask a Jew podcast this past He's week, the best. Speaking, we, I love, super I love him. Super great. And I, I want to say,
3: I, 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 I hope rabbi doesn't get angry that I'm, I'm betraying a confi- uh, confidence or anything, but he did oh. um, message that uh, from the last Zoom call with um, Ben Dreyfus uh, that uh, he should have been on to uh, discuss the mezuzah. We did have a conversation oh, about yeah. how most of the people in the audience during the Zoom call had no idea what a mezuzah was, and uh, we should have had the rabbi on uh, speed dial to get him on to describe this. First of
2: all, he needs to be tapping in uh, as a first option of his second Sunday
0: of each month. I are being think- honest. I think yeah. it maybe I mean cuz he's not busy on Sunday. <laughs> no, definitely not, right? No. Yeah.
3: No. That's not how they do it. That's yeah. not how they do it. No.
0: Good. And like yeah. well I, I mean don't know I think not on all of the podcast. Yeah, I mean I think if he Sundays. came on like his Rabbi? congregants
3: might kind of resign and protest <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> I think you know, he's cycling think out so. of his uh his practice. So, yeah, yeah. get on. Get on here, Rabbi. Let's yeah. I, we I, I we
3: am. love him. Um he's a brilliant brilliant man. Um he back in the day debated Hitch mm. and was one of the more skilled interlocutors and uh we Matt and I ran into him uh in Israel too as you do with the rabbi. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I like and that. uh and he's he was a lot of fun too. So yep. um big fan of And
0: his. I'm pretty much the Sammy Davis Jr of this you podcast. You really are. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, you're like I knew a man. His name was Sam. He danced for you. It's you can the same. make the
3: stars shine.
0: <laughs> Sprinkle them with
3: dew. Uh, I
1: say that because he's he's Jewish. Yeah, no I'm a Jew, reason. babe.
3: Yeah, he <laughs> was a star of David. He was like he was fucking. He was serious about. it. Yeah, me. he was with it. Like not like yeah. Rod Carew, who like I don't even was he actually Jewish? Rod Carew? Uh, I,
0: don't I forget. His... I think there was some
3: controversy about whether he actually converted.
0: I have terrible Judar, so yeah. I,
3: yeah, I mean, I he's know. like I think he's from where was Rod Carew from? He was Panama, Panama, right? So I don't, yeah. I don't think Judar really goes off. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like <laughs> oh my god, are you
2: racial profiling Judar? It's very yes. confusing.
3: Yeah, because I mean, usually if you if you, you see somebody who looks similar. To Camille, we won't say that there's a race here. There's no such thing, but <laughs> they're similar and they're Jewish. They're you know Ethiopian or um, trying to hook up with a Jewish girl. So
2: you're saying and, that uh, Disco Danny Ford was not in fact a Jew.
3: I'm I'm going to make that mm. claim. I'm going to make mm. that claim. I did have a conversation with a friend about uh, their rabbi who was uh, a convert, and I said, <laughs> I said, you don't consider your rabbi really Jewish, do you? And she was like, not really. (laughs) I was like, yeah, convert. Um, I'm not buying it. Knows a lot about uh, Judaism, but um, the zeal of the convert. but, uh, But yeah, I don't trust it. So anyway, that's betraying other confidences. Uh, Camille, uh, there's a tab up here that says you're, you're not focused. Yeah, I am focused, yeah.
0: but I was getting ready to say mm-hmm. there's a lot going on this week. What's going and on? there's some question as to what we ought to get into. Russell Brand? Uh, there, <laughs> yeah, Russell there seems, Brand. There seems to be an effort to make impeachment great again, which I fully support because I think all presidents should be impeached, perhaps multiple times. And I think this is, this is great. We're off to a great start. Um, and uh, yeah, Russell Brand appears to be in a little bit of trouble. At least there are some people- who, uh, oh, he's in a lot in of trouble. trouble. This
3: is and not, there, and there yeah. are
0: other people who insist that this is a, uh, a campaign by the Matrix, mm-hmm. by the Deep State, or some or, other cabal of mean, bad or, people. or
3: Rupert Murdoch. Because, yeah, he, well, to it, get him. well, it was done. I mean, the investigation was done by Dispatches, the Channel 4 program, which is similar to 60 Minutes, a very reputable show. And uh, they did an hour and a half special, uh, today, which I watched, uh, I watched live. And uh, the print version was The Times, Times of London, owned by News Corp. Uh, so that is the Murdoch family going after going after um, Russell Brand. If you believe in these conspiracies, which I uh, most certainly do not, because this is something that's been long known and um, long remarked upon prior to him um, you know talking about the vaccines, there were people been you know kind of trying to do some reporting on this for a very long time. So, I mean, basically the reporting is that um, one person accused him of rape. Uh, there was a 16-year-old who said that she groomed him and she slept with him when she was 16. Where he groomed um, her. N- not, uh, I, well, yeah, he groomed her. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> She's very <laughs> eager. Um, I, just <laughs> said, I love forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, give me your phone number. But um, that one is apparently not illegal because I think the age of consent is 16 where that happened. Um, but it's really unseemly if that is true. And it appears to be true because there's text messages and things like
0: that. But, um, and his public statements say that he, uh, he denies particularly the criminal allegations correct. against him. Correct. So that wouldn't necessarily be criminal.
3: That wouldn't necessarily be criminal. Yeah. And he, of course is, um, in my estimation, a total moron. And uh, it's really distressing to see people, because he's moved politically to more towards their side, um, pretend that he is some oracle and some clever person. He is a complete moron. And he has always been a moron. And uh, I cannot stand the guy, to be honest. And you watch him, you know, listen to him talk. I mean, I wrote a piece about him a long time ago. Um, I think it was, I think the headline was, um, cause I looked it up today. I hadn't thought about it or read it in many, many years. Uh, I read it for the Daily Beast and it was called Russell Brand's revolution for morons. I think was the headline. Yeah. It was, yes, that I probably 2017.
2: So this podcast already existed. And no, it. no, it
3: couldn't have been 2017.
2: That's that was the, the date I saw when I clicked. Oh,
3: no, it. no. W- 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 <coughs> okay.
0: up- updated Upda- April 14th. Yeah. What they oh, okay. do, like, it's like when it yeah, was yeah, put yeah, into
3: right. a new system or something, but it was 2014, I think that okay. I wrote that. And he wrote a book called Revolution in which he Mm -hmm. praises Fidel Castro and says uh, Che Guevara is like a morally pure, perfect person, (laughs) which is like, (laughs) you really are an idiot. And it provoked- He invented
0: some quotes as well.
3: I think so, yeah. You pointed out. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, And it provoked a meme, which I had forgotten about, which is the Park Life meme um do you remember the song park life matt yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. which is uh, a song by blur but it is uh the main vocals are done by a guy named Phil daniels who is the star of the movie quadrophenia um who's riding around in that lambretta scooter in quadrophenia and he sings on it and it's like this really hilarious like you know very heavily london accent guy and the lyrics make no sense and so so the joke was because the beginning of the song is him saying like confidence is a preference of the habitual voyeur of what is known as park life and so it became so you shout park life after a russell brand sentence because (laughs) it makes no sense (laughs) and because i pulled out a bunch of sentences that were completely idiotic and after that there was the park life meme and he attacked me but kind of obliquely and said you know the the like the powers that be, the powerful people don't want me to speak, and I'm like, dude, you're married to Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> I live in like an apartment that I can Not barely anymore. afford. <laughs> it's like <laughs> who are the powers that be here. But um, if you read my review and just like the stuff that he says, but it's hilarious of how he is. He's like an overwriter, but in spoken language too, and he's always mm-hmm. trying to sound like he's smart, and it's just incoherent. Like even the video he released denouncing this. Um, documentary and this reporting that came out today. Pre-denouncing he, it, right? So it's yeah, like, you know, you're, you're yes. about to
2: see some shit and and it's, you know, they're attacking me because of the vaccines, oh, and big, the, big the, pharma the, and whatever.
3: The 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 mm. denunciation is in the documentary today that was released today. It's the end of the documentary. They actually got it in in time. And uh, it's so weird. He's like, you know, it's a lot of like Baroque attacks on me. Like Baroque attack? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> it's like, he's just like a, a, like a thesaurus- that has like <laughs> run into an anti vaxxer and exploded. It's just a very weird guy. But he's just such an idiot. And, I, uh, but this, the charges, by the way, seem rather credible. And I'll add one more thing before um, I kick it over to you, Matt, is that um, there's some two um, people that have. What told me it, told me about this a long time ago that this this investigation has been ongoing, and people journalists were looking into this and um those people plural um have said and they're really trustworthy people that this is all one hundred percent true and has been known mm-hmm. for a really long time and if you go back, there's a lot of people saying not because you know the 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 libel laws in the u k are so um, onerous that there was like, you know, this famous American comedian who lives in the UK, this woman who was like, there's a sexual predator amongst us as comedians that I've worked with. And it was pretty easy to narrow it down to Russell Brand. And people have been saying this stuff out loud for, for, for a long time. Um, but they put this together and it's in, in, in two people that one of the present people that I know that talked to me about this, and there's been a lot of speculation about this online. And I think this probably isn't true um, that he lurched towards this kind of conspiratorial stuff, this kind of new Alex Jonesy um, crowd, and he's been Alex jo- on Alex Jones's show and stuff as a kind of in anticipation of this, because then one can make the argument that they're after me for my for my um, contrarian uh, views about COVID and the rest of it, which all this stuff predates COVID. So.
2: Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think that. Uh... It's not an unpredictable shift. We see a lot of people who are doing cuckoo bananas left populism drift over into cuckoo bananas kind of more right facing populism. Um, It's not a short list uh, over time. I don't think it was like a big plot to figure it out. But the effective result in a world um, that we live in now, as opposed to even like six years ago, is that you have just a ton of people. Um, yes, of course, Alex Jones, but also Jordan Peterson, also Tucker Carlson, also the redheaded libertarian. Um, Who's that, by the way? I'm just a commenter person, but a lot of people in the kind of uh, populist libertarian corners uh, like her a lot. Um, uh, th- there are a number of people ranging from the reliably trollish to the, you know, in the case of Jordan Peterson, you might say that he's got a, a troll aspect of what he does, but he also does a lot of work out there in the world, both intellectual and just kind of interesting in the public arena where, um, you know, I think the Tucker Carlson um, uh, tweet preemptively on this is like, this is what happens when you cross big pharma and you're against the Ukraine war, Um, (laughs) which just made me think like, poor Bill Cosby. Like if he had just <laughs> held on 2 or 3 years <laughs> this big
3: pharma yeah, yeah I know oh are you fine?
0: yeah You yeah. just yeah. wanted people to or must preemptively dismiss all charges against you like, all allegations you. yeah
2: <laughs> It was uh, I don't I usually don't uh, look on Twitter for news anymore cuz it's just terrible for everything yeah. Um, but I was—I wanted to see, I just did a search on Russell Brand, which wasn't really trending high. It was like the number 25 trending thing. Again, those things I usually don't look at either, but I wanted to see.
3: And in the UK, it was number one because I was connected to my UK VPN.
2: I <laughs> mean, yeah, so I would imagine that <laughs> number it would, one in the UK, yeah. that would have been, but it was so distressing to see how things split, which was people who have hated him recently for a long time for whatever, um, but largely believed it and that's fine. Um, but like this sort of preemptive. Contrarianish, um uh you know he this is why they went after him and they'll show a video clip of him going on bill maher with a, like a, a written out list of 10 things about the world and like big pharma is half of them and they're like see and i'm just i would i would for those who might
3: i saw that by the way can you imagine going on bill maher and bringing a script And Um, let me read for five minutes. I mean, you've been
2: on there sometimes when someone takes a lot of notes and looks uh, down at them (laughs) and it's not great for them. Uh, It doesn't work out. But like I really let's you know, uh, we have enough listeners that some will find this credulous, this uh, kind of interpretation of events. Um, But let's just like imagine it out. Let's imagine um, that there's there's a there are people uh, who are powerful um, and who have the ability to kind of reshape people's careers based on uh you know, them becoming too big for their britches and saying to it, can you imagine that moment? Where it's like, we've got to do something about
3: Russell brand.
2: <laughs> he went yeah, after exactly. big pharma too hard. He went yeah. too hard in the paint against yeah. big pharma with that list on Bill Maher. Get him.
3: I can't believe it. He went after, let's go. Let's get him now. Get the cameras out. Find him. it's so stupid because the thing about this is like when you have this stuff and incredible incredible too because some of these things that you sent matt um these people preemptively denouncing this it before it was before the documentary broadcast an hour and a half documentary imagine that wait of course they're not going to wait because they have made up their minds already but it used to be kind of interesting at least i mean if you look at conspiracy theories about i don't know JFK or RFK assassinations is that they make these kind of tenuous connections this guy knew this guy and that guy was this right the, in this case it's like they don't look at who the reporters are they don't look at the outlets that are broadcasting this there's stuff there's
2: not a word about the reporting
3: there's no, not a it's word it's like no no and, and like also it's not like it came out in the CDC's own internal publication or something, then you'd be like, okay, well, that's a little weird. But it's from the Times of London and Channel 4. And it's like, now they're really trying to take him down. But also, let's pretend that that was actually a thing. See, people in a meeting said, let's take this person down um, because of what they do about vaccines or what they say about this. Um, My response to that is, of course, incredulity, too, is that that's not actually happening. But my second response is, so what? Is it true or is it not true? It doesn't matter why you're doing it. If you say, like, this guy is an asshole and I hate him, and I'd love to see him go down in flames because I don't like his views and I think he's a pernicious influence in the debate— um okay but if you did that to Matt Welch for instance you're not going to come up with the same stuff right <laughs> this is a pretty this is a pretty low hanging fruit because you can go back somebody posted this and Matt you um sent this to the to our text chain of like here are a dozen stories prior to the pandemic you know 2006 2014 2015 of like Russell Brand doing really bad things and being accused of bad things um this has been out there so it's not like if you want to get him because of his views, um, you can't do that to everybody because they're not doing horrible things like, um, texting 16 year olds. um, that, so it's like, that's like the Scott Ritter thing. They'd be like, oh, they set him up because of what he thought about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So he was like totally against it. So he's like, he's, I'm going to meet like a 14 year old girl in a parking lot. I'm sorry, what? how did that How did we get from there to there? It's like even if you want to destroy him, he's still meeting a fourteen year old girl in a parking lot, Well, which is what he believes to be a fourteen year old girl and is usually a burly fifty year old with a mustache and a badge. Uh, so these are slightly different things. But you know, if you want to if you want to take somebody down, that's usually what happens, right? If somebody wants to take down Jordan Peterson, they go after him and might, they might find some stuff and that'd be interesting. This is what people in ideological combat do. But the interesting thing here is it's Dispatches, which is a very reputable program. And it is the Times and the media columnist at the Times who's been looking into this from, for a while because I think she got lots of tips over time. And I think they're probably getting a lot more tips now. And what do you do, not investigate
0: it? I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. So other topics of interest to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter Biden, Son of President Joe Biden uh, has been uh, indicted,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Yes, Um, indeed. And this is on the gun charges, which it seemed that he might be able to get out of this um, Mm -hmm. and strike a deal. Uh, That deal was torpedoed. For various reasons, uh, Republicans objected to the deal, um, and there were some cons- Ultimately, questions. the judge <laughs> yeah. objected yeah. to the deal, and
3: too. So it was crazy. Which, it
0: was which, which seemed to correspond with additional scrutiny, and the judge eventually rejecting the deal, and... Um, I guess even there was uh, an interesting scene where the prosecution and the defense attorneys were having an argument in court <laughs> about what the deal actually implied, whether or not it was essentially a kind of blanket immunity that he was mm-hmm. uh, achieving um, as a result of uh, cooperating. And there would be no further investigations. Turns out that was not the case. Um, and now he is facing charges. And this this does seem to be a pretty unprecedented situation mm-hmm. um, where you have the son of a sitting president um, and I mean, I don't know that there've been any like immediate relatives was, what was the situation with Bill Clinton's brother oh, Roger was in office? Uh,
3: yeah. I don't think there was anything like this. I mean, Billy Carter had a thing with Libya. Do you remember yeah, that? Mm-hmm, there was like, yeah. he had some deal with Libya, but you know, that was, that never, <laughs> he also had a beer company, Billy yeah. beer. But no, so there's, they, I think this is pretty unprecedented in that sense that somebody is facing 10 years in prison
0: and and it's interesting because you've heard a great deal about the corruption of the justice department and, it's, and i've certainly had things to say about the justice department during the trump era um and the fact that they are, seem to be a pretty determined effort to sort of score points on him um by certain people um in uh, uh official washington uh but here they are
1: mm-hmm.
0: going after joe biden's son a little hard to say that there's something uh that isn't above board about this at the moment, um, and the gun charges do appear to be completely legitimate. How all of this ends, we'll see. Um, I can imagine that Joe Biden's camp isn't particularly happy. I'm not sure if Joe Biden has any idea what's going on. Um, But this is uh, an interesting story that is worth paying a bit of attention to. (laughs) It happens to be happening at the same time that his father is facing uh, an impeachment inquiry launched yes. by Republicans in Congress, so it's been a, an interesting week.
3: Yeah, I think that that um, Joe Biden, if if you get him alone for a second. You could just be like, you know, uh, Hunter, and he'd be like, "Yeah, the one who died in Iraq." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course. He um, <laughs> well, he died.
0: At, also, died on nine eleven. <laughs> he died, he died <laughs> on nine
3: eleven in Iraq. a um, you know, pickle the, game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a fire in the house. He's dead
3: so yeah. many times. He was there when the bridge collapsed on top of him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Kenny from South Park <laughs> just keeps dying. Yeah, over I mean, and the thing that about the deal,
3: which is interesting, um, which was kind of an unprecedented thing. I mean, the deal was like kind of crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And what the the, uh, Hunter's lawyers had tried to establish is like, you know, you basically cannot prosecute him for the rest of time for anything. For anything. And uh, it's pretty interesting that why they were so adamant about that, which ultimately bit them in the ass and created this situation where he's now facing uh, 10 years in prison, because it makes you wonder what they were trying— What else you got? Yeah, like, what are you trying to get immunity from? Because, well, you know you've done a lot of dodgy things in in business— and, you know, with his father, of course, this is the impeachment inquiry, which I think is um, wildly premature. And obviously, Kevin McCarthy said no to this, and now he said yes to this, and, and you know, he's, he's wavered on it. Um, there's a lot of smoke there. And, you know, I don't, you can do—you can, do, can have an inquiry that's not an impeachment inquiry. Yeah. You start with the inquiry and figure out what's happening. And there's a lot—again, there's a lot of smoke here. And there are two things in particular that should worry people— um, number one is the text message that says to his daughter, um, "You know, I hope it never has to be like me, where I have to kick fifty percent of my earnings to pop." Right? Kind of suggestive, mm-hmm. right? That's a, people should be should know that that text exists. And one would imagine, if this was in a different administration, you would know that that existed. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is that the the more obvious one that is so obvious that people kind of you know ignore it. Is that when your portfolio is Ukraine, and you are the one who is intervening? You know the firing of Viktor Shokin, et cetera. And despite the debate about Viktor Shokin, which is very confused and very hard to kind of to pin down, of whether you know the, the suggestion is that Biden fired Viktor Shokin on behalf of Burisma and Hunter, which is not that's not clear at all that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottom line is is that when you're in in government, you're the vice president, this is your remit, is Ukraine, and your son is on the board of a corrupt energy company that is associated previously with the overthrown regime that was overthrown during the Maidan revolution. Like, how is it that you don't, and people are saying, well, he went to dinner with some of these people from from Burisma and some of these dodgy people. It's like, well, he didn't know, he didn't know. It's like, He didn't know that his son, well, it was widely reported that this was happening, number one. And number two, there was a significant amount of concern within the Obama uh, administration that this was happening. And it is incumbent upon you as the vice president, career politician, to intervene and say, you can't do this. Don't do it. I'm sorry. You cannot do this. I am overseeing Ukraine and in American foreign policy, and we are deeply involved in this, uh, especially in 2014. And you didn't say anything? I mean, get the, I mean, that is just base level corruption. I'm sorry to say it is corruption when you allow that to happen. It doesn't mean you were lining your own pockets. We don't have uh, proof of that. There's some weird evidence that suggests that something like that's happening. We don't have proof, but that is just wrong. And it's amazing that he allowed it.
2: What's wild is that the charges from Friday have nothing to do with what is interesting about Hunter Biden's corruption. Like mm-hmm. whether interesting you just because sexy we, yeah it's sexy's going down the slide <laughs> yeah. um, uh, that's interesting the sexy slide <laughs> uh, or it's interesting because it, have, it might have something to do with the his father and what he does and and like taking mm-hmm. advantage of that it's not that it's guns and drugs mixed yeah um so because he was a stupid crackhead a filthy stupid like crackhead who crawls on his hands and <laughs> knees to see if there's wait a minute Matt Welch do we know if he's filthy. Yeah. Do we know yes. that? Have you, I, okay. I mean, see the, the, when he's going down the slide, he does not look clean.
3: Just no. does not. <laughs> Just flopping all over the place.
2: And that crazy yeah. interview that we, f- I think we found out about, cause we went on Megyn Kelly and she showed it to us. And it wasn't just the view, although maybe it was actually the view. I forget uh, where he's like, yeah, you know, the shag carpet. You're on your hands and knees, and you're just like rooting around there, down, like yeah, looking for
3: crack rods. Yeah, like he's like, eating I smoke more parmesan. It's like, well, you smoke parmesan. What the fuck is he talking about? He gave that interview. What yeah, the yeah, fuck? Exactly. So, Phil, exactly. yeah, <laughs> promoting a book. So no, to so so so, buy yeah. more crack,
0: <laughs> to do more. Yeah, I used to be awful. Grade, was the uh, was the tone of that interview? Great yeah.
2: uh, art, um, NFTs, and stuff. But, um. Uh, it's not that. It's just that when he was applying for a gun, he lied about not being a crackhead.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. And this is where and this is something where uh, a lot of uh, advocates for criminal justice reform over the years have made this point, And I think the point is accurate, which is that drug charges are uh, a, a big, horrible gooser. Um, in many cases they're um they're bad it shouldn't be the drugs under question shouldn't be against the law, certainly federal law um, and then guns and drugs aggravate one another so that if you happen to have a gun lying around while you do a very small amount of drug crime possessing a small amount of marijuana or even dealing or buying or selling a small amount of something, then these things are work exponentially with one another, and this is how people get 50 years in prison for something that, that maybe deserves 50 hours. Um, and that happens with some regularity. And this is kind of the story with the hundred Biden thing. So like mm. on one hand you have absolutely, um, what looked like a corrupt and bad smelling plea agreement slash like a promise not to prosecute you in the future, which was rightfully, um, cast down by the judge. Like what the hell are you even talking about? Um, and then on the other hand you have, so they put the, uh, you know, inspector general, not inspector general, but special prosecutor, um, uh, to look at this from the justice department. Um, if you want to go after somebody and you now feel like, uh, and this is true of the January 6th uh, cases as well, uh, you now feel like uh, it's important that you do this to prove either that you're trying to make an example out of the people or to prove that you're not giving them special treatment. The federal legal code has mountains of things on its side to try to just like overwhelm you into a guilty plea right we're going to stack up this drug and this gun and the gun plus drug charge um so that suddenly looks like 10 years and 20 years and and 30 years for basically lying on your gun permit about the fact that you're a crackhead um and like you shouldn't lie on your gun permit about the fact that you're a crackhead i kind of get that we can talk about (laughs) you know who also
3: (laughs) agreed with that that you shouldn't lie about it yeah his girlfriend who was his dead brother's former wife. Uh, who took the gun and threw it in a garbage can at like a grocery store and the FBI was called. So that's, she was like, you can't have this gun. It's in the back of your car and then takes the gun and throws it in a garbage can. And somebody finds this, calls the police, the FBI get involved, trace the gun back to him. And he was like, the text, this is what we know from the laptop and stuff. And he's saying like, what the fuck are you doing? Like and she's like, you know, the kids could find it, and so she's like, yeah, but you threw it in a garbage can, which is actually a fair point. <laughs> like, where other kids can find it, <laughs> and so like, I mean, she obviously believed too that you know my uh, brother-in-law, who I'm having sex with because my husband died, um, <laughs> shouldn't have a gun. This is a totally healthy, normal family at this point, right? <laughs> she
0: was in a very, she was in a very difficult spot. Everybody was in. By the uh, way, I'm
3: really spot. fucking tired of this, and I've been sympathetic to this in the past but i'm really fucking tired of people being like you know he's a he was a drug addict you know how hard that is and like honestly you have pleated khaki pants and you work at a think tank in dc and you have a half a glass of champagne and you vomit on your shoes you don't know anything about being a drug addict and please stop telling me that that actually vindicates or or absolves you from everything that you do it's like first of all it's your responsibility when you're a drug addict and second of all i've said this before when you're a drug addict you're not high all the time that's not what, it's not what a drug addict is. It's like 24 hours a day. I'm high. You have to go to barisma meetings once every six months. You have to go pick up the diamond that the Chinese guy had delivered for you. You have to go pick up the car that was bought for you by a Chinese businessman for $126,000. You can't be high all the time. So. Oh God. But we
2: got more uh, down the pike. Uh, like the, the special prosecutor, that's just the first bit is the guns and drugs. And so yep. we mm-hmm. still got taxes and did you register as a foreign agent? And then the real juicy corruption stuff. Um, and I um, i do not can't say that I like any of it um, on some level. I like that we're finding more about – eventually we're going to find more about the actual corrupt, potentially corrupt stuff in the relationship with his dad um, that mm-hmm. we'll get down to the bottom of that. I agree with Michael that the impeachment inquiry is not the way to do that. And there's yeah. already – someone from the Freedom yeah. Caucus um, uh, opposing this. So, I mean, the House has a very slim Republican majority. I don't... Is
3: that actually Ken Buck who's opposing it?
2: I, I don't know if it's Ken Buck, and I, I should know. I'm sorry. Um, uh, but there's enough internal kind of tumult that I don't anticipate the impeachment inquiry is going to be all that.
3: Yeah, um, I think you wrote a piece about it for the Wall Street Journal or for the Washington right. Post or something saying that this is not, not smart right now.
2: Um, uh, but... Uh, It's interesting that right now in the context of politics this week, we had a David Ignatius column in the Washington Post about five days ago. And he is now that Bob Bob Woodward is old and not really in the game to the same degree. David Ignatius is the closest that we have of what is the deep state thinking? And and, and, (laughs) like literally like um, this is not this is not I don't think wrong. Like he has he's better source at the CIA than any columnist that I can think of, for example. Um, And and like that came to play during the first days of the Trump administration. This is what kind of like where the Mueller report sort of started. It's the wheels uh, spinning back there. But he wrote a column like Biden shouldn't run for reelection. Just sort of saying out loud what a lot of people are thinking, what a lot of voters, uh, Democratic voters have been telling pollsters for a while now. And that has seemed to kind of open up at least some floodgates and also initiate a media conversation, which we can talk about maybe in a bit. But um,
3: I mean, Joe Scarborough chimed in the next day, uh, Joe Scarborough, the former uh, Republican congressman from Florida, current uh, Democrat of the Upper West Side, said uh, <laughs> that every Democrat that he talks to off the air says he's too old to run. Every Democrat, yeah. I mean, talking about, not talking about Democratic, you know, hatchet men or pundits, talking about people in elected office or within the administration, I suspect too, that say he's too old to run. It's Pretty significant.
2: Yeah. Uh and the Biden Hunter um uh investigation is seen increasingly as a possible kind of um distraction and boy, old man should not be getting more distractions now yeah. because uh <laughs> like literally when you see a video of him now walking, he's got like old man I don't know where I'm going walk. Um Yeah, don't
3: you wanna just put the Benny Hill theme song on every time <laughs> he tries to walk <laughs> off stage? I
2: don't Has he ever picked the right direction? <laughs> he- no, he hasn't. And <laughs> no, he just doesn't. I just, I just know too many old people in my life. Um, uh, some of whom I love, and and other most of them I love. And uh, and like you see, you know, when they suddenly leave a room in a hurry, and like you know what that is, and it's yeah. it's not great. You don't want to, you don't want to put them in <laughs> that, that situation. Vietnam
0: press
3: conference, man.
2: That was, yeah, so need, was that that, sh- that person
0: shouldn't be in charge of uh, like the nuclear codes and all
2: sorts of other important things. Probably not Probably sh- not probably should not be in charge, no. Um and
3: like but, and- has anyone made the John Fetterman argument? Do you remember when John Fetterman um you know, before he went to Walter Reed because he was listening to The Cure too much. I'm really depressed.
0: Um, he, when he was Wait, just did his like, wife ever come back from vacation?
3: No, 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 no. She's plotting, she's like the Ava Perone of Pennsylvania. She's plotting some yeah. uh, thing. I, I can't figure out what it is. But she, you know, when he, um, you know, goes up at the first debate and he can, you, he can't put together a sentence. It's it's like, yeah. it's really cringeworthy, horrible. It's incredible. And it was like horrible to watch. And I did like, yeah. stop doing this to this guy. Um, and the response was, You don't really need to be uh you have your mental mental faculties in 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 a in good working order to be a a, a senator. Do you remember this
1: yeah this argument yeah. and yeah, it was yeah. like
3: you know they have staffs they have to do this i and I can't believe that that is an argument that has been made about um President Biden at this point of like, well, so what you want his kind of shaky bony hand on the tiller but um actually there's going to be other people that are pulling the, the I think they just the can't switches.
2: they can't admit it out loud. Precisely. They they might all think that or know yeah. that or like desperately want to believe that it's true um and like just sort of like clench their teeth their way through the next 14 yeah. months. Um but yeah well, I mean
3: Corinne Jean-Pierre um cut off that uh press conference When he said, I'm sleepy, he said, I I, like, I mean, talk about walking into the sleepy Joe uh, Trump stereotype. He's like, I need to go to bed now. Did you see that? No. Oh my God. At the end of the Vietnam press conference. And look, I get it. It's a long trip. It's an 18 hour (laughs) flight, but you don't fucking say it out loud. dude. (laughs) It's like, I wouldn't do like, and he's like taking questions. He's like, ah, I'm really, I got to go to bed now. (laughs) And it was just, and then somebody said something on Korean, Jean-Pierre, like like, came down from the rafters and, like, lifted him up, like, it was like the Phantom of the Opera, and he like disappeared in a puff of smoke, but it was a very, very odd press conference, and the most interesting thing to do, and I recommend listeners go and do this, is find the people that wrote about that it, with these, like, insane apologias and these insane excuses for, like, no, it was actually a really coherent press conference, because he did the dog face pony soldier in that one. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he's like, you know, John Wayne, John Wayne. Come on, dog face, pony soldier, dog <laughs> face. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like literally a Vietnamese translator like, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. What is, what is he saying? Like so literally, I mean, I thought my English was really good. My father was a GI and I have no idea what the fuck is going on, which is
2: really, really impressive. What you're seeing now is- I'm
0: serious, man. I'm serious. I'm serious. Look, kid around. Sir, is this dogface pony? Soldier. I got kid huh? around. <laughs> John Wayne, John Wayne, good guy.
3: Come on, come on, man. Oh, by the I, way, also note it's that that is not because it's terrible. no one can find that movie that he's talking about. He said John Wait, Wayne. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Dog oh. pony soldier. <laughs> Scene that he just is described 700 times. No way, no one has been like, dude, that's actually not even that is a lie. Yeah, well, it's like it's like in Porky's Two or something. He's like, Yeah, you know, John Wayne. It's like, I actually think that's in. I think that's in hot dog, the movie, but all right.
2: <laughs> what you will see now, I predict, cause we're already seeing it. So it's not really much of a prediction, but of uh, uh, the democracy dies in darkness crew, Margaret Sullivan, who now works, at the guardian wrote something about this. Jay Rosen is saying similar things, um, where people will say, you know, uh, treating, uh, Biden's age as a problem means that journalists are just doing what about and also what? both sides ism uh and they're yeah. therefore downplaying the unique threat that trump is uh, has on our democracy and it's just terrible uh, and deplor- yes this over this is already beginning to happen mm-hmm. just like that the the press and biden's age is the equivalent of of the but her emails of Hillary Clinton in 2016, I've saw I've seen that formulation. Maybe it was James mm-hmm. Fallows, um, hmm. The Atlantic correspondent. But this kind of group of people who have been exercised for a good long while um, about um, Trump's threat to democracy. Some of which I understand or like share in my own differently expressed way. Um, but the way that they have expressed it over time is that if you recall, and this has already been memory hold. That Republicans, after winning the midterm elections, were immediately going to throw the entire country into default on purpose and then mm-hmm. therefore tank the global economy. And this, there's a ton of, of articles and columns mm-hmm. about this is, mm-hmm. this is what they always do, and they're going to do it again. It's a fact. Um, and they're going to do it because they want to cut Social Security, they said, um, which is just like... Tell me that you haven't been paying any attention to what Republicans have said for the last eight years without telling me. Um, So now they are pivoting to how dare you either talk about um, Biden's age or talk about that voters don't like Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, she won every election she's been in. She's done mm. great. Um, <laughs> it's a. It's just, a, I don't know why you're all obsessed with why Kamala Harris isn't good, but I think. Well, uh, we know why. But I think we, we know might why. know yeah, why. Of course we know. Yeah, so, yeah, like Nate Silver got, got browbeat last <laughs> week on on ju- or this week on just this thing. So this is going to be the great press self, self-delusion um, and attempt to kind of create uh, uh, sort of bully people into not talking about it um, and the, say this is not a thing. Biden being old and out of touch despite the fact that majorities of democrats say so in every poll is uh, is a fiction and it's deliberate to try to like throw us off the scent that Donald Trump is terrible.
3: Did you see Trump's answer in the Megan Kelly interview, Megan Kelly interview. Uh, when yeah. she was like is President Biden too old? And he's like, no, mm-hmm. not at all. He's just an idiot, which <laughs> is <just>, like amazing <laughs> was, like, because he's like, because, c- you know, he's old too. And he's like, you know, yeah. age affects everybody differently. He's not too old. He's just incompetent, I think is what he yes. said. And yes. that interview was very, very funny in in portions. I mean, I, I haven't, I'm going to listen to the whole thing, but I, I saw some clips of it that were quite funny. But I like that one when when um, Trump said he's not too old, which was which was kind of hilarious.
0: I like yeah, another that. one of the highlights from that interview was uh, when she asked him uh, about the differences between men and women, and he gave a, a rather. It, there was a long windup in his response <laughs> to the question. When you said, <laughs> Bruce, him, he went,
3: "My favorite thing," he said Bruce Jenner is a good-looking guy, good-looking good guy, really good-looking guy,
0: and I was like, "Wow, that was a Lauren Boebert. He,
3: he wasn't dead naming him. He was just saying when he was Bruce, he was a handsome dude. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So
3: I thought that was pretty interesting. So but, you could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's a, we,
0: he's a
2: disappointment to the super hardcore Matt Walsh's and other, yeah, for sure. And, and like, you know, Ron DeSantis in many ways has been going harder on some of these issues than Donald Trump. And um, I forget who made the argument, but I found it convincing It's kind of a Josh Barrow type of argument um, that uh, Trump cleverly sort of splits the the MAGA conservative views on this right now in such a way that he ultimately wins. So like, um, if, if you are going to be a candidate running against him and this is all you care about, he's going to kind of look more magnanimous than you are right now. And like broader and like, I don't know, like we need to worry about woke stuff every minute of every single day. Um, and it kind of, I mean, he's
3: attacked DeSantis for going after Disney. Yeah. Um and he's, he has. And yeah. he's and even in that Tucker interview and in the night of the um debate he he sounded like reasonable compared to Tucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like that you just pulled off something amazing when he was like he sounded totally reasonable in comparison.
2: Increasingly but, uh, that's everybody um these days. Can can
3: I offer something before we move on because this is oh. something from about um 3 weeks ago that I I thought it was really necessary to add and to mention. And this would just be a very brief mention of this, because Matt mentioned um, the unjustly celebrated Margaret Sullivan, um, one of America's crappiest columnists, um, who now is working for a British newspaper. But Robbie Robertson died, the um, guitar player and songwriter of the band, and she wrote a column about it, which was um, a real master's class in how not to write a column. And uh, I just wanted to read, uh, because I sent it to Matt, the lead of this column, which might be the worst thing I've ever read. And it's like, you know, that um, I think it was Auburn Waugh, the grandson of Evelyn Waugh, um, or the son of Evelyn Waugh, uh, who had the bad sex contest every year, bad sex writing contest, mm-hmm. and I think the London Review of Books. And it was always great, hilarious things. We don't have enough of those where we shame people for bad writing these days. Um, <laughs> but this is the best um, uh, opening I've ever seen. This is a lead. And if you know the song by the band The Wait, then this will make sense and you'll hate it even more. And the opening sentence of this is I pulled into Nazareth. I was feeling about half past deadline. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's like my fourth hearing of this and it, it still hurts it's Ever. it like
3: it hurts me in the balls like i just <laughs> i feel like someone kicked a football in my nuts when I, i'm just like i'm doubled over like seriously oh, like you like, wrote like you wrote that and you were like you know what that's i'm gonna i'm leaving. Yeah. that's good that's good who could write that and not have not be overwhelmed with embarrassment and if you know the song, <laughs> you know, pulled into Nazareth, feeling half past dead. And then she's like, you know what? Because I'm a journalist, and I'm writing about Robbie Robertson. half past <laughs> mm. deadline. Mm. See what I said? And then she says something about Trump, because these people can literally write about nothing else. And then it is an amazing appreciation of Robbie Robertson from somebody who clearly knows nothing about music. And uh, I just thought that I needed to digress just for a second to remind people, or point out to people that that is the worst lead of the year so far. So anyway, we can go back to other things. I just felt uh, that I neglected that previously.
0: Well, I, I know, on one hand, you still want to digest uh, in full Megan Kelly's interview with one Donald Trump, mm-hmm. but a, a few other highlights from the, from the interview. That yeah, I saw some clips, yeah. Chatting about um, the, the moment where he talks about the classified do- documents. It's um, unbelievable. Um, where she asks about it. And he <laughs> responds, I'm allowed to have these documents. I'm allowed to take these documents. When I have them, they become unclassified. Unclassified, is a great word. Yeah. People think you have to go through a ritual. You don't at least in my opinion, yeah. which one loves uh, deploying the intent defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump, obviously not a lawyer. Uh, that, oh, is, no. <laughs> no. that is a terrible, yeah. terrible answer. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's a terrible, but he's also so, so not a lawyer that he hired like Sidney Powell. And he's like, oh, you oh, seem good. <laughs> good. Um, but that <laughs> was amazing. But the incredible thing about that was that Megan pushes him on it and really pushes him mm. on him quite a bit. Because he's like, I can have these. And she's like, but you said it was a newspaper. Remember when he was like, because like in the tape, which was, I guess, for a book being written about Mark Meadows. And yeah. this is a tape when he's like, I got it here. You can't see it. Can't see it. No, you can take a look. You can't see it, but take a look. I, It's mine. I declassified them. And then later they were like, but you just admitted on tape that you were violating. And he was like, no, it was a newspaper. And she's like, but you said you can declassify these things but you said as a newspaper and he's like look megan it could be anything who knows it's just like this insane <laughs> insane response because he's he's like unprepared for it it was really interesting and she
2: also points out because megan's a lawyer let's not forget and so uh regardless of where they what direction she's going about this or that um she likes the courtroom fight yeah, she uh, does, and she yeah. knows mm-hmm. what she's talking about when it comes to the law um and mm-hmm. she's like they issued a subpoena it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> when they issue subpoena <laughs> you can't just keep it and say no um yeah. and he was
0: uh yeah he actually was, you can uh yeah. there will just be consequences yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. which he's <laughs> increasingly going to face yeah
3: megan i don't know subpoenas from they don't apply to me i'm the president no but it was literally the nixon uh the frost nixon interview right when mm-hmm. when nixon said um if a president does it it's not illegal which is one of the greatest moments in any interview ever because Nixon was a very, very smart guy. People didn't give him credit for how clever he actually was. He was a devious, sinister man. But uh, that moment was very odd when he was like, if a president does it, it can't be illegal. And there was echoes of that in in Trump for
2: sure. Arguably, in a more intellectual way, Dick Cheney, who worked, as people tend to forget, uh, as a pretty senior official in the Nixon administration, administration, and him and Donald Rumsfeld both cut their teeth in crucial positions there and kind of elbowed out uh, Alexander Haig and some of the other people, Mm -hmm. Um, you could say that Dick Cheney's political career was an attempt to take that admittedly kind of crude will to power Richard Nixon quote, but cloak it into a theory of presidential powers that Cheney believed um, and thinking that he needed to claw back because in the post-Watergate Congress- there was a whole number of different laws, Freedom of Information Act being uh, crucial among them, or the strengthening of it, but all kinds of Presidential Records Act and the Congressional Acts and such, um, and the revelations that came out of the church committee. Um, Cheney thought all those were terrible, um, like the mm-hmm. War Powers Act, and he w- fought and fought for it. And after 9-11, he came up with and articulated this kind of unitary vision of executive power, unconstrained by things. It's a fancier way to get at basically... The Nixon thing, I'm the president, I can do it. Yeah. Um,
3: but and- you have John Yoo, um, the law professor from Berkeley, uh, providing a legal defense of that unitary executive theory. But um, I was listening the other day, and the reasons why are not material or not interesting, but I was listening <laughs> to Nixon tapes the other day because this is what I do. And um, one of my favorite things about them is I was listening to a series of conversations between Nixon and Chuck Colson, and Chuck Colson, who went to prison uh, for uh, uh, Watergate crimes, and then became this kind of activist for, kind of, he was like a prison evangelist, basically. It's a great
2: and, criminal justice reformer from yeah, an evangelical he was a big, point of view.
3: Exactly, evangelical point of view. And he is so devious in these tapes. But the incredible thing, if you listen to these, and it is so funny that these people don't realize they're being taped in these calls, and just how sycophantic they are. And there's um, a, a tape where Nixon is reading him a speech that he's written. And it is so funny. And this is very common amongst uh, this throughout all these tapes. And he was like, Mr. President, Mr. President, that is the most <laughs> amazing thing I've ever heard. And he's like, yes. And he's like, do you, do you like that, Chuck? And he's like, oh, I mean, how can this, t-? unbelievable. You are in the FDR. And he's like, yes, thank you, Chuck. And it's just, and Nixon is feeding off of it, and he is just <laughs> slobbering all over him, and it's the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard. To listen to the Nixon, uh, Chuck Colson tapes. I mean, Colson's a very smart yeah. guy, and ended up writing a pretty interesting book afterwards. But it also provoked me into a conversation with somebody else about this, um, that you really have to go uh, back and read, if you haven't read, g gordon liddy's book will it is really good it's great. um he is hmm. a complete psychopath but he writes will when he's in prison and it's a really great book and he's just a complete nutcase and um i came to dc moved to dc to work for reason and i was in sweden and i moved back and we drove to dc joanna and i drove to dc and the first night in dc we were going to a dinner i can't remember some one of these you know, dinners all the time in dc and we mm-hmm. drove up um to the valet parking thing and i was like okay it was i was like a hotel and i get up like get out of the car like where's the valet and i was like this must be the valet look to my left and it was g gordon liddy and i was like <laughs> oh my god i'm in washington like literally oh, g gordon liddy is right next to my car and i was like holy shit you sat in front of Attorney General John Mitchell and presented the totally insane Operation Gemstone, and you're standing right, I'm like, I just almost gave you my keys. Yeah. And it was just like, you probably would have drove it through the wall of the Brookings Institution and tried to blow it up. But, um, but yeah, anyway, that's I it. went I, on his a,
2: radio show I a, once, I think it was in uh, Across the River by the Pentagon somewhere.
3: Yes, I went on once too, but it was a guest host, so continue, sorry.
2: Um, don't remember too much of it, except for just the, oh shit, I'm in a room with G. Gordon Liddy moment, yeah. and he was at this point probably in his seventies or something. He was yeah. kind of noticeably frail. He had been a pretty strong radio performer for a while.
0: Uh, still he had not,
3: that voice, yeah. Still <laughs> had the stash. Yeah. Headshots. Um, he
0: did <laughs> years and years. And I called into the show once. Oh, and he yelled at he yelled at me and and hung up the phone. What, is, is that true? You know? I don't even remember. I was young. I mean, he was really really young. I, I'm not even sure if I was in college. Um, but yeah, I called in to to the show to 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 debate some point with him and he called me a dumb liberal or something and like,
2: <laughs> were you being a
0: baby neocon so that, or a that baby audio libertarian? is out there somewhere. Oh, we got to um, find it. Bit no, no, I was, was stupid. I was stupider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Noticeably stupider um, and maybe wrong, um, but I, I really don't remember what it was. I only remember the sound of his voice and trying to he talk. He had that voice. that discovering that I hung up on. How many radio shows did you call in on? Not many. I I listen to a lot of them not many maybe a couple Mm -hmm. Uh, there's definitely like some uh, C-SPAN Washington Journal um, episodes (laughs) you gotta be (laughs) like Camille is the $1. caller. Camille, Camille, yeah, Camille, Camille D.C. on the uh, independent, independent line. line yeah. the independent line,
3: yeah. Camille from yeah. Maryland. <laughs> Would you ever call <laughs> into like? I Diana was always really, or <laughs> always really smart there. Always really
0: smart, Camille. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I've got <laughs> Camille on the line.
3: Did you imagine? Could you imagine if she interviewed RFK Jr.? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> It'd be like everybody's radios cutting out. Um, we've got that bird coming in. Yes, yeah. she is. She's
2: still, uh, she's still broadcasting. I think.
0: No, is she really? And she's never had him on the show. Oh we my God. That'd be one amazing. Those, we should start one of those petitions. petitions. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I didn't send it to you guys cause I'm <laughs> nice like that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm a subscriber to RFK jr's, uh, Substack, obviously not. A of course paying, you are. Not a paying yeah. subscriber. Well, uh, you should pay, pay but, the man. Uh, and I pay very few people. I pay Ethan Strauss. I think. Hey, uh, shouts out to House of Strauss. Uh, House of I pay
3: House of Strauss.
2: <laughs> Sam Miller, uh, Pebble Hunting and very few other people. Um, but uh, he went to try to guess what suddenly famous American RFK Jr. decided he needed to go visit.
3: Suddenly, famous American, mm. like Nick Sandman. No, I don't know. <laughs> the,
0: the the guy who sung the song. Yep. The, what's yep. his name? Oh, yeah. Oh. So he's like there on the little like
2: lot with Oliver yeah. Anthony shaking his hand and like he speaks for all of America.
0: Does Did they do a duet? That would have been yeah. amazing. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I don't get think do
3: well like,
0: Really? <laughs> What's amazing is his singing voice, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Like, there's Beautiful. nothing wrong with it at all. Weirdly, it's in an so English accent. The whole accent. thing is a fake fa- for some, fa- some fa- fa- reason. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like called, so it's like Johnny Rotten. Actually, this is exactly <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> By the way, speaking
3: of Johnny Rotten, I want to point this out. There's a video on YouTube. People should watch. And someone put it together as a clip of of Johnny Rotten. You know who is like famously sneering, "Fucking Johnny Rotten." Right. You know when it's it starts in the Bill Grundy show in like 1977 when, you know, he, a drunk Bill Grundy and he's like yelling at him and he's like, you dirty rotter, that whole thing. But there's a clip, a bunch of clips uh, of MAGA loving uh, uh, Johnny Rotten being nice to people. And that's literally a bunch of clips. And he's just being like super nice to like people who want photos and just like coming across as like the nicest guy in the world, which is what you would not expect from the old sneering Johnny Rotten. But very, very like, it's incredible. He's very nice guy.
2: And you sent Michael on the text chain, um, Probably the best MAGA hat that I've seen. Yeah, had the, the Union Jack MAGA yeah, the hat. The Union Jack yeah. MAGA hat, like, mm, yeah, that it, it was a little bit bejeweled, bedazzled.
3: Yeah, I think it was a bit bedazzled. Yeah. and he had it like pulled over his head, and he was like, he became like a huge Trump supporter. Which is I would hilarious.
0: wear that hat. I'm not even kidding. Although the 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 very best Trump era hat is "Make Mexico Great Again," also. Which <clears throat> oh yeah, is, that's just right. a really, yeah. really, be really strong fucking hat. Yeah, like I don't, I actually need to get one of those. I need to find it, or just well, have one made. Was it Trump wear mm-hmm. it, or was it something? Like, I think it was... Uh, I don't know if I saw Trump wearing it. Definitely Rudy Giuliani had one. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I, like the blue I like letters. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'd like to mention our friend Alex um, on this podcast, because he always appreciates it and texts me. And, and shout out it. to We're Alex. We're going to give a shout out to Alex here. But he... Um, I don't know if he was... I never saw this, but he said that he did this, that when he was covering a... Uh, <laughs> at Trump rally that he just bought a red hat, like just a red baseball hat <laughs> that from a distance would confuse people. And like, they would come over to you and just, it was just a red hat. It was like no writing on it at all, which is a very good way of, um, of kind of catfishing people to, to talk to you. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> make Mexico great again. Also. Yeah. That's good. yeah um, that was a rally
2: at the, uh, the, in Arizona, I remember uh, was it? I, I remember now. Yeah, because it was notable yeah. for me as someone who covered uh, anti-immigration politics in the 90s uh, in the Republican Party in California. It was a huge thing. I used to hang out with the Minutemen, including the the Italian uh, American. I wasn't even American, just Italian uh, named Gio Lu- Luca Gian Zana, Luca Zana, who is the sort of bard of the Minutemen. And he would sing. in his. Oh, horror- that was the
3: Italian singer, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was,
2: yeah. Like uh, songs about like wake up America before it's too late. But, in but, heavily but, accent- but
3: you were the one who, did you know him? Because I remember yeah. you sent that to me in his songs. Are like, all like, I like America. he's so good. he was like all like, <laughs> he actually I had to the ha- America. He had, had to have
2: good. the, uh, he had to have a Cuban America sing it. Because his accent was so overwhelming that it was like a yeah. little bit hard to sell it to to xenophobes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Why is fucking Chico Marx singing a song about Donald Trump? (laughs) I like the Trump. uh, But Giuliani
2: in that context in the 90s um, was a Republican figure who was absolutely objectively pro-immigration. And uh, to watch him lash his mast to Donald Trump uh, literally at an anti-immigration rally in uh, Phoenix or wherever, Tucson, in Arizona was uh, uh, another sign that the Republican Party and a lot of the figures within it had just kind of um, defunct themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, one one thing as well that I wanted to bring up quickly just to get you guys to respond to it. Uh, another bit from Megan's um, <clears throat> conversation with Donald Trump. At some point, he takes a shot at Ron DeSantis and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he mentions his falling and maybe a better word for it is plummeting poll numbers, uh, which really have been quite terrible of late. Uh, I saw a post uh, that had the Quinnipiac um, polling numbers from February with Trump at 42% and uh, Ron at 36%. And uh, the most recent numbers had Trump at 62% and Mm -hmm. Ron at 12%. Um, Granted, there are other polls and, uh, you know, polls poll, but He's not doing well. No. Uh Matt, what is uh what is your appraisal of this? I know you've you've warned against um taking taking making too much of this too early and there's obviously a hell of a lot of time uh between now and the election and the president of the United States may find himself convicted and perhaps even behind bars. So there's plenty of shit that mm-hmm. could happen between now and then. But things seem pretty bad for the governor of Florida. I
2: think that the um his case for the presidency is um i'm the only one uh out there who can attract trump voters um who also yeah. can attract uh at least some uh anti trump voters there's nobody else in the field who can who can attract both so far that we've seen um and that will be uh very useful if and when trump is no longer running <laughs> because if trump runs he's gonna win uh most likely it's really hard to imagine uh there could be a series of events legal events that um that lead to revelations that become somehow too much for the people who want to vote for Trump to vote for him, and then he would then therefore lose in a fair electoral fight with Ron DeSantis. I cannot imagine yeah. that happening. I just can't. Yeah, I don't know what that looks I, like.
0: I don't see that. I think I think he's right about the whole shooting someone and uh, be totally fine. Apparently, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean, it sounds stupid, but think of the um, of the mindset that we talked about at the top of the show among people. Who were not paying even a single smidgen of attention to the allegations in the Russell Brand thing? Not that that's an important thing, but the mm. smart people who are preemptively dismissing an entire possibility of a thing being anything um, because Ukraine, deep state, big farm—that um, yeah. level of intellect, which is which is so childish, um, has increased by so much. I was in in uh, Washington D.C this week uh reason uh, has a new uh dc headquarters there and we had like the oh fir- man you're the- not next to the strip club anymore uh it's not that far um oh, good <laughs> good for you guys
0: <laughs> uh, the- support black businesses <laughs> <laughs>
2: The, the ghost of Mike Flynn is still still here with us. Um, uh, say that out of love. What is the name of that place? Love and what Affection. Is it, oh, I forget is it like Disabled booties?
3: Crocodile or something. I can't remember. It was something weird. Like Big Booties yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find out. Uh, uh, big Booties, like small dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I'll meet you there.
2: <laughs> Robbie Swave was talking there, former guest on this episode, uh, on this podcast, um, yeah. was talking there about one of his editorial successes, which he was- um kind of the first or like the first big person to question the rolling stone rape hoax uh story mm-hmm. from which by the way uh jan winter is still defending out there there's a huge uh, yeah, interview yeah. with rolling stone founder jan winter who's a complete douchebag um and always has been but a very interesting guy who has a memoir out um and uh jan winter's quote about the rolling stone things we got everything right except for that one thing
3: <laughs> so, yeah <it's- laughs> except for the and, and you saw that he was removed from the rock and roll hall of fame yeah. leadership Yeah. You know. Because yeah of the comment
2: that, yeah. Uh, I mean the comment that he made was uh, was stupid and bad and typical for Yo winter but it was not it was basically saying that uh, that w- women and black artists aren't are cannot articulate his vision of rock and roll what? enough to be uh, uh, you, you know uh showcased masters. yeah um, in his
3: yeah, master's thing yeah. in
2: his sort of like master's class and so i think this was interpreted as i mean it's there's not a great interpretation of it in anyways because he's wrong about that i think especially yeah. when it comes to people like joni mitchell um but uh uh yeah she's a strong black woman very strong <laughs> black woman <laughs> mm-hmm. carol king too <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, go. <laughs> Johnny Mitchell
3: never lies.
2: <laughs> he was taken off of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which he invented. um uh, So, because it was seen that he said that they're not articulate people or something like that. So it's dumb, yeah, mm-hmm. which is a
0: misreading of what he said. Yeah, but but what he said is still stupid because so too. many of them are clean and articulate. Yeah, yeah. super clean.
2: <laughs> uh But what, what Rob, Robbie was recounting, the re-reporting of that story and uh, and like w- how it worked and w- what happened and um you know, even seeing the, the Russell brand reaction, um, and thinking about what Robbie said just a couple of days ago, maybe realize we're living in a different world. Like back Mm. then it was, oh, here's a big, widely, uh, told story and retold story. And the details seem kind of weird and kind of like too fantastical to be true. And the people who are pointing that out are doing it quietly amongst each other, which is kind of like the three of us do this with a bunch Mm -hmm. of the different hoaxes that turn out to be totally false. Right. Um, and you know that chatter, you know, started to increase online, and then Robbie was sort of chief among those guys from like the New York Review of Books, also who was, I think, Richard Bradley, who was being um, skeptical too, and then reporting on that skepticism. But you start with like oh, that, there's something about that sounds off, like the Aziz Ansari story, like that. I don't know, or the Al Franken story. What Michael uh, uh, has always been um, uh, of the mind that Franken kind of got jobbed when he was a sort of a uh, mobbed off of the U.S. Senate and the stories were were seen as more lured than they were. Um, you know, it starts with there's some detail about the story that is skeptical. Now we're not the, the people who are skeptical, the Russell Brands. They're preemptively skeptical, having not even reacted to any of the evidence on hand because he had that list waving around in front of Bill Maher and Big Pharma and Ukraine were, were on it. Um, so we're kind of in a dumber place. And that dumber place is expressed in politics, too. So all you can you can say at any given moment of like, oh, so the establishment says this. So, you know, they've been wrong about so much. So <laughs> uh, and I hate them so much. My hatred of uh, both what my perception of what the establishment is in government and then the reality more or less of the establishment media is so strong that I want someone who outrages them the most. And so every mm-hmm. new bit of evide- evidence evidence is just like, it's going to bind me more. And as long as we're in that moment, we're in that moment. And uh, it's hard to see anything um, taking us out of that. Um, And which is, you know, we've had probably five or six or 12 episodes um, with some headline along, along lines of like, you know, the news is finally tightened or, you know, there's, and it's always (laughs) sarcastic because there's, you know, the MSNBC is, is going uh, crazy because they think this one is going to be the, you know, the, the little toy cannon, We're going to shoot that off. I don't know if they're still doing that. Uh, uh, The the tiny can. I kind of don't think that they are anymore. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I I don't see. It's really hard to imagine Ron DeSantis winning a fair fight with Donald Trump. But Trump is old. Who knows? um, Might get tired. um, And there are still some other things that happen in campaigns between now and then. But it's really hard to imagine.
0: Yeah, and the name of the fine establishment located just just down the street from Reason is Assets. Yes, ladies <laughs> oh, know, that must uh, be It's called something different. That's Urban Urban Strip Club. And yeah. uh, they've got this huge Black Lives Matter sign outside of the uh, the strip club, which nude Black Lives Matter. is especially true; they're especially vulnerable, yeah. Um, and they vulnerable. need your tips, yeah. So please get o- get on over to assets. Yeah. You I may mean, uh, find Nick, you know who's going to be, be working, working at well assets there. pretty
3: soon? Lauren Bobert. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And coming up on stage Headliner. two, gentlemen, give a big round of applause for Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> She a new <laughs> career <for her>. Yeah, had got three or four. Yeah, bless her heart. Boom. boom. Uh, and by the way, oh, I was uh, I questioned um, the Rolling Stone story at, the, at, at yeah. the time too, and wrote about it for the Daily Beast, and uh, talked to Jake Tapper about it before it collapsed. And uh, I think he was like, "Why do you think this is not true?" And I was like, "It doesn't <laughs> seem true." But that's the, that's the the thing about about journalism and stories like this. And, you know, whether it's the Russell Brand stuff, which, you know, you, you know, or the Sabrina Ergley story about UVA is, um, as a journalist, you have to, particularly as an editor, you don't, ha- you don't have time to research everything. You don't have time. You're editing a piece. You're accepting a piece for publication. It's all about the kind of nose on it. Like, you have to kind of feel that it's okay or feel that it makes sense. And there were just so many things about that story that didn't make sense from a feelings point of view. We're Like, this doesn't really... Add up, And that's usually when you pass on stories, not because you know for sure, but, but you have a hunch that they're probably not going to pass muster. So that was the case in that story. And, and, that's yeah. a, and to tie it a back to... But to, on Ron DeSantis...
2: Oh, you yeah. just reminded me that tied to tie it back to to Russell Brand. His ghostwriter on the story, on the book that you eviscerated for The Daily Beast was Johan Hari, and we've talked about him before, but he's a yeah. serial fabulous former uh, Orwell Prize winner who had to turn it back in and um and i've mentioned this at least once before uh i used to know him and be friends with him and he wrote a piece for me at the la times and i was a op-ed editor over there that i was like i don't know it smells funny but i like johan so i mean it must be true and it's it is and that was
3: before he was blown up yes
2: and it is among my biggest regrets and, and points of anger in my career that i didn't follow the nose of like maybe that 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 interview with like the Afghan heroic you know lady who's like trying to harvest her opium but the CIA is getting in the way or I don't know what it was um, is like little too perfect yeah. um, and uh, so yeah when when you see the absolutely perfect fits every single thing that you need anecdote those are that's a classic tell
3: mm. we should yeah. see if we can get Beetlejuice to tour in Afghanistan. I just think that we could bring the touring company to Afghanistan and just make them all super horny. And like, they're like, they won't like the Taliban anymore. Like, it's just, you know, before this, I was like, put the burqa on. And now I'm like, I just need to give somebody a handjob. Some bearded guy is going to get it. I'm not sure
0: that that play has exactly the same effect on everyone, but who knows? Who knows?
3: I mean, d- drunk 36-year-old grandmothers seem to fucking love it. <laughs> They're so into it. The best, get, best part was enough. when Beetlejuice yeah. was like, Beetlejuice, <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, and I just started giving like, a guy a I was like, pump, 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 three times. And then something happens, and Beetlejuice happens. Um, um Lauren... I, I, I you. desperately <laughs> want to talk about this
0: <laughs> this Hassan Minaj oh, show my god that was in The New Yorker this week. Um and uh the the headline says uh, Hassan Minaj's quote emotional truths. Um and to spoil this for you completely, although you should go find the the article and read yeah, it. Yeah, it's a for good piece. It's well done. It's great. Yeah. Um is uh, he was making a lot of shit up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, comedians embellish the truth and they tell stories on stage. And oftentimes these stories are not true. Uh, and that's fine because that's part of the job. I think what's a little diff- different here is that when he would get off stage, having just told a story about, say, dumping some mysterious powder that was sent to him in the mail by someone who hates him, um, and it kind of looked like anthrax, And he dumps the powder on his daughter by mistake, as you do. Um, Or he's telling a story about someone he went on a date with in high school who he like asked to prom or something and then she didn't go and he thought it was because of racism. Um, Or the police officer or undercover agent who was uh, attending his synagogue, uh, a white man. Um, not synagogue, his mosque um, yeah, his would yeah. be great or or a mosque. it's fine. Yeah, sure. Um, but this undercover agent who' was attending his mosque turns out um to be an undercover agent as he had predicted at the time, who, you know, had apparently almost gotten him locked up. Turns out these stories aren't true. But when he was asked about them by journalists during interviews, he would respond and color. Um, In details, as though they were, in fact, mm-hmm. true stories. Um, He wouldn't go back and say, ah, you know, look, I'm a comedian. I'm making shit up on stage. No, he insisted that they were true. And apparently, in response to previous cross-examination by other journalists, he had suggested that the scrutiny he was being subjected to was racist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a liar. It's and not, it's not just he's up there doing his job and he's embellishing the truth and this is to be expected. No, no, no. He's a liar. Mm-hmm. And he's lying about things that he was saying, not for comedic effect, but because they were social justice in the appropriate sort of way yeah. and would perhaps earn him applause from the right sort of people. Um, it's uh, scumbaggery. Um, And worse than that, it is scumbaggery and completely unfunny. I've never been entertained by him, never found him amusing. So all too happy to see this particular story uh, appear. Also happy to discover that the world is not nearly as racist as he imagines it is. So things are good. I mean,
3: (laughs) the most amazing detail of that very good story was that at some point she points out, the writer points out, who I think used to write for 538, She's I think she was over there at one point. She's a very good reporter and um, pushed him on this stuff and didn't take the excuse that, well, you know, it speaks to a larger truth was that he's on stage and behind him is are projected a number of racist Mm -hmm. death threat tweets. Turns out that those are fabricated, too. Oh, Mm. up. And wow. which is amazing because if you can't find racist tweets and you're Hassan and you're that fan, you're like that's incredible. Like, that's yeah, I amazing. could find some of those. Yeah, I, got I mean, those. like just tell me, I'll tweet them for you if you want. But like, um, but like literally, that is incredible. Yeah. And it, 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 you know, what burrows into people's minds about this stuff is not that Hassan Minhaj is a fabulist and he's a liar and um, he makes up these totally incredible stories to make a social justice point or to make a joke, these don't appear to be jokes, by the way, Um, is that it starts to really affect people and they don't even realize that this is what's happening, is that if it's so bad, why are they constantly having to make it up? If it's Mm -hmm. so ubiquitous, why are you lying about this all the time? If you're just attacked on the street by Nigerian MACA supporters uh, when you're getting a Subway sandwich at two in the morning in Chicago, like, it's so common that this stuff that you're attacked all the time and like they they send you letters and it's always the thing by the way, they send you letters and they send you death threats and I'm so tired of even hearing about that and that comes from all sides of the political spectrum is that I don't care to hear about death threats anymore because we have to understand that if you're the FBI, if you're the police, when you hear about a death threat or you're told about one, there are degrees of severity and there's some that you just dismiss and there's some that you take seriously. So people really enjoy taking these things seriously when it's a blue egg on Twitter or a white egg or whatever it was on Twitter and it could be anyone i mean those if they're not attached to a human don't you can't you can't harness them you can't cite them because it could be somebody on your own side doing that and often that is the case it could be the person who's doing it cuz Hassan Manaj did it he lied about it i don't think these were public tweets he just made them up and posted them on on the stage Behind him, one of the most amazing stories is that he says that it was like his high school girlfriend or whatever didn't want to go to prom with him because her family was racist and they didn't want her to be seen in a photograph with an Indian-American. Um, very common <laughs> story in America, apparently. And uh, as a throwaway kind of thing, in this, she doesn't emphasize this, but I can't remember exactly what it is, but the woman who he she the the, the writer contacts is currently married to an Indian man, Ah, which is like, apparently, apparently her parents had a a change of heart or something, but she's married to somebody who's not white now. And she's like, no, this is insane. And then there was a tweet from somebody from the New York times who said, um, I tried to uh, point this out to people because we went to the same high school. That he made up a racist incident in high school. And uh, I can't remember exactly what the scenario was, but this is not a guy who's political at all. He's just a kind of uh also a non-white um New York Times reporter who said, Yeah, this didn't check out, and uh, we tried to push it, but no one, no one really cared. And this would be fine if you're this is the kind of Jon Stewart thing when then you play both sides of the street and say, Well, I'm a comedian, the clown knows on, clown knows off kind of thing, and now I'm a commentator. But Thank Hasan Minhaj is not only not funny as a comic, um, if you don't believe me, watch the amazing Bumping Mike special with David Tell and Jeff Ross, and they pull people up on stage. There's one episode they pull up Gilbert, who is Gilbert and so funny. And there's one, it's at the Comedy Cellar, and they pull up Hasan Minhaj, and it's just like, you could have like literally pulled up anybody, and they would have been funnier. He just doesn't say anything that's funny. And um, he tries, and it's really painful to watch. But um, the show that he did... Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. I knew some people worked on the show, which was unwatchable, but it went on for two seasons. And much like some of the things that I've worked on, that that um, aren't very good and get tons of Emmy awards because the Emmy awards these days don't reflect quality so much; it reflects effort. You know, thanks for trying to you know tackle these issues. Because it was not a show that anyone really cared about or watched. And um, there's a whole thing in the piece about fact-checking that he wanted to not do away with some fact-checking because it ruined the narrative, um, which is, you know, just like normal journalism. And uh, at at some point, (laughs) like, you know, these things stop being jokes. And that's mentioned in this piece, too. They're like, he's doing these things where he's like, you know, um, no longer stand-up, but a sort of storyteller, you know, like swimming to Cambodia kind of thing. It's like, you know, comedy for people who aren't funny. But is that the coming for Hassan Minhaj? Did he get beat up? Yeah. Is that you, Matt? I, hope, I can hear that. No,
0: it's not here. No, no, no. I think it's here.
3: Oh, oh I thought it was, I
0: thought he yeah. was, there was a hate crime
3: going on. I live in a safe But, um, city. but yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a fire truck. Okay. We care about fires a lot out here. I'm
3: just, Wait, it's just, you mean some homeless encampment's on fire right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's called making dinner, Camille. Uh, <laughs> but the thing about it is like, he's not a comic in the sense that he's doing these long things that are trying to teach people lessons. He's trying to make political points and at the there's a certain point which he forgets to make a joke. And it's easy to forget when you're not funny, but mm. when you're doing this, you cannot do the clown nose on cl- clown nose off thing because he stopped being like a straight comic. It's not like no one's f- no one's uh, fact-checking Shane Gillis talking about his father being a Fox News dad or his sister being a heroin addict. This doesn't matter because it's not he's not trying to prove some larger point and get people to leave his show you know, scratching their chin saying, you know, it is really hard to be uh, a Muslim in America. And the premise of this, which really offends me, is that after 9-11, it was really hard to be an Indian American or something. There's no doubt that this is true in certain respects. But I've always made the argument, and I can make this with data if you want— that um, we acquitted ourselves remarkably well considering um, what had just happened and considering how I suspect this would happen in other parts of the world if a similar thing were to happen in such similar carnage. And if you were to look at, you know, comparatively how many people died in America to say, you know, something had happened in, I don't know, like India, for instance, when, you know, if a Pakistani kills a bunch of people in India, there's going to be like a lot of reprisals. Reprisals are just something that's, unfortunately very common and we weren't perfect and we never have been perfect and we never will be perfect but it is important to remember that like post 9 11 it was really hard to be um is sometimes overblown in the sense that uh there was there was a murder very famously in arizona yep. of a gas station owner who was a sikh sikh and not even not a muslim that's how dumb our races are they couldn't even find a muslim they found a sikh <laughs> and these things did happen and they were deeply unfortunate but i just think it's wrong to kind of remember it, like you just you the assumptions that happen in people's mind that that are kind of immune to fact checking in the sense that like you know i went on nancy rumman and um's podcast uh with, what's it called smoke them if you got them. Yeah. Uh, a good podcast very fun and we did a line by line reading of the review of Barry Weiss's um, mm. debate that was in the LA Times. And there was a part that we all, of course, stopped at. And um, it was when the, the writer, Matt, of course, pointed this out on Twitter, which I think, by the way, demands a, a correction yeah. and a retraction, which is that FIRE, an organization that we know and we love and run by our friend Greg Lukianoff, who's a Democrat and a pretty liberal guy, uh, that they only uh, defend people... Uh, that they agree with. And, um, you know, it's like right-of-center people that are being attacked, so therefore that's the only people. Which is so outrageously false, how could you make that mistake? Well, you don't know anything about them, and there's the assumption that you make. You assume that after 9-11 there was just like carnage in the streets and Muslims were being murdered and stuff. You assume if there's someone co-sponsoring something with Free Press, Barry Weiss's organization, that they must be, you know, right-wingers that only care about right-wingers. There's that lazy thing that allows these points to be made. And Hassan Minhaj, amongst many other people, assume that you're not going to check. And you're going to assume the worst about this country, about race relations in this country. And when you can't find examples that you yourself are involved in, and of course not saying that this stuff doesn't happen in a perfect place, again, that's not true. But you got to make them up. you got to make them up. And there's a lot of hoaxes. And, you know, there are... Uh, what's his name uh, that wrote the book about hate crime hoaxes? Um, the black academic that uh, he was on Twitter a lot. I can't remember his name. You know him Camille
0: Camille doesn't see why race. do I know him? Because we talked about him because they all look alike. Uh, no, I'm kidding. no he oh, no, doesn't I look, look anything like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm so handsome what is the I don't know crack? I don't know who but you know
3: you, the, you know who he is is um I, this they is so funny hoax. you get. You get like bogged down in this uh, in this stuff, and and people don't want to. Uh, Wilfred Riley. Oh yeah, look at yeah. that book that Wilfred Riley wrote. I mean, the, the, it's not just a catalog of all the just unbelievable numbers of these hoaxes. It's just like you have to ask yourself why? Why is this stuff happening so much? And it's a supply and demand issue, right? The demand for racism outstrips the supply, and mm-hmm. this is when you get stuff like Hassan Minaj, who is again not funny.
2: There was a book yeah. that I reviewed, and I forget for who. Uh, but I think uh, one of our major newspapers um, by uh, I think the nephew of Reinald uh, Niebuhr, or Gustav Niebuhr, or something like that. Um, I that's already way too many speculations.
3: Steve Niebuhr. Uh, it wasn't Steve. <laughs> it's was fancy, a fancy
2: Niebuhr. Um, but he's a really he, he was the religion reporter for the Washington Post, and he was sent in search of figuring out, um, or like documenting the horror of all of the racist reprisals to people of color and Muslims after 9-11. And he went around and did his due diligence and found a couple of horror stories. And it took him a while. And then he figured out the story here is that it's not happening. The story here is that George W. Bush, who did many bad things as president in response to 9-11 specifically, was really actually very good for the most part on stressing the this is not a religious situation. We all love our brothers and sisters. I'm going to go into a mosque tomorrow. We're cool kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that Americans, but less from a top down point of view, but more impressively from a bottom up point of view, there was this incredible outpouring of interest by normal, everyday Americans like, what is Islam? Let's go figure that out. There was a, a period of time after 9 11. I used to uh, chart this. Um, the, top 10 books in the New York times bestseller list. Yeah. Some of them were a little bit like, uh, you know, we need to bomb something Brown. Um, but for the most part, it was, there were like examinations about the history of the middle East, um, the history of Islam. They were like, you know, there was a
3: book about the Taliban from a Columbia professor that was on the list for like two months.
2: And just, and people wanted to know they were boning up. Um, I mean, my neighborhood in LA, uh, at the time in Los Feliz, we had a Sikh temple down the street um, he's, he's very ornate and such, and they just flung up on their doors, come on by who's got questions. Yeah. <laughs> and I can understand that they were nervous at the beginning, but like people came by and they asked questions and it was kind of cool. So his book ended up, which I reviewed ended up being like, how did America actually do that? So, right. So I totally appreciate yeah. what happens when you don't take the cheap, lazy way out, but you actually act like a reporter. And you can even start with the assumption that it's going to be like this. And so when it is the contra of that, then trying to figure out how that didn't happen, the opposite happened, becomes an interesting story. That should be the norm of like reporting and also just being intellectually curious as a consumer. Um, And it is, uh, I think, less and less uh, normal these days.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely true. Well... Uh, maybe we should wrap this up. I don't know if we got anything else on the docket for this one, there's a lot of topics. I don't don't think so. Yeah. Solid five topics. A lot of
3: topics. topics.
0: Seriously. We really could have bailed out the first 20 minutes. It was very strong. It was a strong uh, first 20 minutes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was mostly about, um, Lauren Boebert and how she just, she loves too much
0: yes um <laughs> giving so, of herself
3: the giving of herself i just in
2: public yes. i just don't think that it's too much oh. i i think it's just the right amount no
3: Lauren. keep going keep yeah.
0: going yeah. Keep serving And I mm. think
3: more Republicans Should go to Small town Productions Of like public musicals <laughs> Dressed like prostitutes And you know Just see what happens See what happens See like that's Get right. out there And meet the people That's right Right. And if yeah. you meet Someone who's a democrat Who <laughs> uh, owns a bar And you want to Smoke weed with them And jerk them off In public Whatever like, yeah, <laughs> Let's see Just see what happens yeah, That's right Let's see what Like America is like It was understanding After 9-11 in a way yes. yep. And it w- it's going to be Understanding now After yes. What was it 9-14 when yeah. she went to <laughs> the <to> play <laughs> i think it was nine maybe nine thirteen Yeah, um, you know That's an important fine. date in colorado history yeah but uh yeah um yeah and yeah what else i, I but I, the only other thing is uh is that uh uh next time uh, i guess when we do uh one for for our patriot not patreon what am i talking about my god I, like, it's like a time stack sub stack yeah Substance. Does Patreon even exist anymore? It's I'm not still sure. exists. Wow. Yeah. I thought, they, I now thought now. they kicked everyone off for saying bad things. It was like <laughs> the only person left was like Rebecca Trayster or something. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, we should uh, discuss next time, which I think would be interesting because we talked about it um, a little bit in our, our text chain. And it's just a little bit of, uh, get you excited. Maybe you can send us some emails and we can uh, take your talking points and discuss them. A little bit of union talk um, oh, yeah. of the ford oh stuff gosh. the crazy ford demands actually from the uaw and bill maher our friend bill Mar, and uh and our not friend drew barrymore but i'd be friends with drew barrymore if she wanted to um mm-hmm. uh going back and making uh television again and uh pointing out that there are a lot of people that are hurting that do not have subsidies from a union keeping Hmm. them uh, alive and giving them health care. And who will not interesting conversation
2: and who will not directly benefit from whatever contract is eventually negotiated because it's not their contract. Correct. Um, Correct. Which is also interesting to point out. And one can hope he says slowly and enigmatically that someone that we like will even be on that first show back. So stay tuned.
3: Could be. Hmm. All right. That's a good one. All right. Uh-huh. We, we, we
1: know of new methods of attack. The